Hey y'all, David here. Well, this episode was supposed to be up a few months ago, but technical difficulties. Oops. Enjoy anyways. <laughs> what would you say if I were to tell you that it was possible for a man to turn into a werewolf? I'd say I was Little Red Riding Order. <laughs> like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Welcome to Queer for Fear Season 2. I'm your deviant of darkness, David. And I'm the alcoholic wine mom, Sean. Great. And this is Season 2. <laughs> I was just gonna say we took two months off, maybe three... Maybe a little bit more than three. I don't know. It's a lot. Hide the whiskey bottles. It's fine. It's because we don't like the winter, so we don't want to do anything creative or productive at all. Yeah, and I'm in education, so, you know, we got sold to the masses, but it's fine. It's good to be back, though. It is, especially for this glorious month of March, which not only does it serve as Women's History Month, but... Women in Horror Month. Which, according to the Twitter universe, is okay to designate any time that the individual sees fit. So we're both designating March because it coincides with Women's History Month. So it's super easy. Yes, apparently the actual organization, Women in Horror Month, um, has ceased to exist. So it's told people, pick whatever month you want. So, yeah, most people have said that they're just going to pick March because it was the month after anyways. So that's what we're rolling with. And we love a theme. We do love a theme, and we're also not original enough to try to find a time that that coincides with something else. So we thought women's history, horror women's history, both equally important. My Siri turned on. She can go away. Glad she's empowered, but I don't need you right now. Well, she'll record a second version on her own. She's still recording, so it's absolutely fine. And this topic is perfect for us because it... It's a big one, and it's very easy to do because obviously, uh, women are the crux of the genre um, of horror. Whether uh, they are the villain, the hero, or the final girl, you can't really have a good horror without a strong woman lead in some way, or behind the camera for that matter. Or behind the camera, we're going to talk about all of that. Yes, and more. So stay tuned, and welcome back for season two. Oh, you thought we couldn't get any worse. Just wait. Oh, the best is yet to come. And by best, I mean Trainwreck. Uh, yes. Yes. So, the awesome thing about uh, what I think is kind of the, the, the future of women in horror that I think has been exciting to see is the emergence of more directors. And uh, there are a sad a few, um, obviously because of the social inequalities uh, that women face in every major industry, um, but especially creative industries and, and in Hollywood. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see more women directors um, and screenwriters getting more screen time and getting more projects done. Um, but we, we, we need more of it. But we did highlight um, some of our favorite directors that we wanted to talk about yes so to kick off celebrating women in horror history month um we're gonna run through the start with some of our favorite directors and i'm gonna be the gracious little wine mommy that i am and let david go first as long as she knows which one's not to touch just kidding it's all equal we're equal rights here it's fine well they're, they're all in an ordered list <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're going to go by order. All right, fine. I was so go by order. Yes. Yeah, so I'll first. kick it off with a director near and dear to my heart, not only for her involvement in horror, but her involvement out of horror as well. Um, but that would be Karen Kasama. Um, so known in the horror community, uh, probably starting way, way back in 2009 with a lovely Diablo Cody written gem of Jennifer's body which is classic. a classic queer, like anybody that's ever hated Megan Fox should watch that movie and reevaluate their opinion. Anyone who hates Megan Fox is canceled. That's absolutely fair. Take that, CPAC. Uh, 
just being honest, that is what that organization is called, right? Yes, sure. Uh, moving on. So, started with Jennifer's body. There was that very gracious Charlize Theron Aeon Flux detour there. That was an experience. Um, but then rebound heavily with the invitation, which is probably one of the freakiest, which is why I'm it. so grateful for a pandemic. So we don't have friend dinners anymore. I'm totally because gonna put a red light outside. No, outside. yeah, of course, and I'm never coming over. Um, and then also, I think probably before we like make this way through, one of the things that we decided with this episode was that we weren't really gonna focus on specific films. But I do just want to give one a massive shout out, which was XX, which is the the female director driven anthology film. So Karen Kasama had a segment in that movie along with the fabulous Annie Clark aka St. Vincent who is just magnetic as a performer and easily crosses the lines between every genre possible um, but truly Karen is just one of the most visionary and bold and just always pushes the envelope in what she's making um, whether it's horror related whether it's not horror related but, I mean, she really pushed this queer, feminist, like, semi-lesbian love story with Jennifer's body, which aided with Diablo Cody's manacle writing and a pre-Parks and Rex Chris Pratt cameo, but then mastered the art and the invitation and just created this truly terrifying, like, as somebody who is blossoming into adulthood the same time this movie was coming out and, like, with a partner... And traveling and going to dinner parties, this film scared the living daylights out of me and just proved that truly she was somebody up there with the masses of, you know, males that dominate this field that she's a force to be reckoned with and is one of my undying favorites. So if she ever catches wind of this, I, uh, big fan. Well, Much we'll, love. We'll tag her. Yeah, I, I, I also love her ability to kind of uh, switch pace with doing something really unique and interesting and then also now here's something completely different <laughs> yeah so if if you want something completely out of the horror field she recently did a couple years ago two years ago a film called destroyer with nicole kidman hands down not a horror film very disturbing though along the same regards but a f powerful powerful piece um exploring you know a multitude of, of femininity um very much similar to the story style of Jennifer's Body, if you replaced it with a very sophisticated cop drama. But I think that's what's great, you know. Um, especially when we get lower down into, like, villains adding, you know, Jennifer. But. Oh, she's in there. She's, she is definitely. Yeah. But we, we wanted to give um, a little extra love um, to that director in particular. Because God, one of our Karen. favorites and one of our favorite movies. Yes. in the genre Just so yeah bless so yes we are very blessed for her um kimberly pierce the carrie remake mm. which i loved uh i loved the casting of that movie i loved the art direction um i thought it was really fun uh, and i yeah i i and i have seen that as a in agreement with most people, which is actually really hard to find in, in the horror genre. I, I haven't come across too many people who are like, oh, I hated the Carrie remake. Most people are like, well, you know, you can't touch the original, but for what it was, she did a damn good job. It was a CGI fun fest. Mm -hmm. um, it did come out on that start of like all of this Stephen King re-emergence of everything that's going on right now. <laughs> superhero um, horror everything yeah literally <laughs> stephen king so big um i really did appreciate the remake for what it was i think that's a really good distinction um she did bring this very modern spin to it watching judy greer in particular be this like school teacher of like i don't know judy greer has been another she's <laughs> she's gonna come up later but just to, to give a, a little early shout out she's really transcended to be like horror mom figure of like everything <laughs> just from showing up in Jurassic World to this to the village way back when in like 2004 oh. to you know 
Halloween and the upcoming Halloween kills. So it was, it was a really great layering. And I, I think it can't touch the original, but Kimberly brought this ferocity to the relevance of like the viciousness of the actual horror is being a teenage girl in high school. And that all of that is still relevant today. And yeah, and I, I think I think updating <laughs> all of that with this current like ferociousness as an educator, like I've seen it and I've tried to spend years fighting against that. So it's it's a little it, it very honest in its portrayal there, and also Julianne Moore as mommy dearest. Uh, um uh, insane unleveled so unhinged performance there can't rival the original but bless the only thing i was missing was her saying vagina in some really terrifying way to harken back to her big lebowski just insane character in that yes. that you know made me love it well love the word vagina anyway and then cycling back through watching her in this i was like i just want to run away from you <laughs> but just truly, truly powerful. And it is such a great, bold thing about a remake um, that just, you know, produced and made in 2013. I believe it was 2013. And just still people have mild conversations about it. I wouldn't say intense, but I, I would still like say that they're conversations that exist. And it's it just was a, a powerful piece that helped segue because this was before the invitation. This was before a lot of additional movies that you're going to hear us talk about tonight or characters that came back. And it really helped push forward with that because even, you know, um, the, the central performance of Carrie was updated and modernized. I mean, nobody can hold a candle to Sissy Spacek, but it's not about holding a candle. It's about taking the character, placing them into this modern setting, adapting the whole style around you know, what is the world today? And I think that's what the remake did quite well. Yeah. Yes. Um, next one on our list, uh, I think is uh, really fun and special for our podcast because this is a queer podcast. So uh, obviously we have to talk about the queer icon himself, the Babadook, <sighs> because that film was directed by Jennifer Kent. Oh, Jennifer Kent. A magic, well, I want to say two film director who released The Nightingale, which is not officially classified a horror film, but truly a very intense, unsettling narrative that deserves to be explored in its own right in a separate conversation from this. Um, but bravo for such a bold and challenging sophomore feature there. Um, truly just fantastic. But yeah, the Babadook. The good old Netflix made a boo-boo, and now you can go to <laughs> shoutfactory.com and get a Blu-ray case with the Babadook printed on the queer rainbow. Um, we love to see it. Stunning <laughs> movie. Hate the kid in the movie, but love the movie. We love to hate the kid, though. <laughs> um, but gosh, just just such a phenomenal rollout. I mean... Just hands over. Literally, anytime people ask, what are my favorite horror films? It's always coming from, like, women directors. It was always, you know, The Babadook. It was Jennifer's Body. It was, you know, a mentioning, at least, of the Carrie remake. Not that it made mine top list, but it still was there. And it's just this freaking hour and a half ride that just a the kid shrieks for so long that it feels like three hours worth of a ride but the pacing is great it never lets up and um i i love uh that this director got so much attention too from that yeah like specifically um uh, for being a woman director too um who did such a fun horror film because that doesn't usually happen you know you always hear about the the, the big shot men in horror um, for putting out the, these huge hits. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very happy for her for that. Um, and I would love to see her do more horror in particular because I, I uh, now that she has a, what will probably be known to uh, come out as a cult horror classic in some ways, or a campy cult classic. Yeah, all those... We want more. <laughs> fan YouTube videos of Pennywise and Babadook and... And their wedding. 
Yes, and they're, all they're of the married. socks that I have with the Babadook on them <laughs> and all of the t-shirts that I have with the Babadook on them, Baba Slay, like all of those, gloriously so thankful. But I mean, really all of this, like going through this list, there are a few that, that we really should be thankful for. Um, I'm going to go slightly out of order and probably tackle one of your favorites. But I just, Mary Lambert with the original Pet Cemetery. I mean, we did get that remake that was very decisive. Actually, much more of a love or hate of the remake than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. But Mary Lambert coming in with that Pet Cemetery original adaptation. Yeah. But- making me not only terrified of cats, but terrified of children. Um, and being in public school takes a lot to do. So that was a, that and, was a feat. And the woods and... Yeah. Trucks and... <laughs> God, just living anywhere outside of a city, pretty much. Like, anytime somebody's like, let's go out in the country, and I'm like, no, thank you. I don't want to know where you're going to bury your dog and that's going to come back to eat me. Hashtag Cujo, it's fine. Yes. Um, Cujo was not a zombified dog. He had rabies. But still, it was just an amazing movie. I think an amazing just like capturing i mean the book was disturbing enough but the movie seeing it and seeing the changes i mean there were there's always changes but like it just was this whole other level of like visceral like late 80s just practical effects and like ick and grit and just it was just a lot when I first watched it when I was younger. And I... It was one of my favorites as, like, what I got to college and people were like, oh, what do you love? And I was like, well, you know, when I started college, it was 2009. So my current love was just going to the movie theaters every weekend to see Jennifer's body. But beyond that, it was sharing <laughs> these, you know, it was Carrie and it was, you know, look at Pet Cemetery, And it was like, a couple others on this list. This was before Babadook. Um, but I mean, it was, it was bringing up, you know, others that I want to mention, but I don't want to give you time to not comment. So I'm going to pause so that way you can add. Oh no, just that. I, I mean, I think we need to, um, also just quickly before we move on, um, acknowledge the fact that Mary Lambert was early on the scene because uh, that is now uh, quite an old film for, for the yeah. genre comparatively, um, especially for King stuff. Um, so, you know, she was there very early on do, doing a King movie yep. as, as a woman mm-hmm. director. And um, um, I, I would I would love to see more women directors in, in any Stephen King project because um, yeah. I don't think there's, there's uh, many. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I actually, I, um, I, I didn't uh, uh, specifically search, um, but none none came up, so I have to assume that there may not be any others. Um, there, there could have been co-directors. Um, but yeah, but very iconic and very early on the scene, so yay for our trailblazers. And uh, to just add, or if you want to add to your trailblazing... Um, definitely, you know, Amy Holden Jones from the Slumber Party Massacre. Great, oh, yes, great, absolutely. great movie. Yeah. Well, that would have been before before Pet Cemetery. Right? That would have been. Oh, yeah, I'm just I'm adding to our list of seventy-eight. Of, I think Slumber I Party prob- God, yeah. probably. Um, and then oh, well. <laughs> feel free to add to my, to my list. I'm just I'm just going through and I'm thinking all of these like. Not even, well, Slumber Party, slightly queer. By slightly, I mean tilted uh, towards heavily. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty heavily queer. Um, yeah, great one. Um, I mean, Anne uh, in Foray into uh, classic horror franchises, uh, Freddy. We have uh, Rachel Talale, who did uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Oh, yes, the Should- 3D episode of <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Who could forget? Didn't get too many accolades on that one, but um, no, mostly because 3D episode of Nightmare on Elm Street. But still, first one, big deal. Yes, again, just praising 
the the boldness and i mean this is really a thing and like we've seen it especially in like the years coming up you know i want to say it wasn't such a big thing until the me too movement and it really wasn't which is unfortunate but we've had like you know the Golden Globes, hosted by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, once upon a time. Not talking about the ones that just aired, because I don't know if that counts or not. But, like, the originals, it was always pointing out, like, the, the need for women directors. There was looking outside of mainstream, because we all know horror never receives the recognition that it deserves. Otherwise, Toni Collette would have six Oscars. Uh, she doesn't, so clearly there's an error. But, you know, the idea that... Catherine Bigelow was nominated, whose ex-husband James Cameron was nominated at the same time. Like, women have proven time and time again, but it's only now, in the last 10 plus years, that this recognition is starting. And it's very unfortunate, which is why we wanted to kick off this new season celebrating probably some of the greatest movies that we hold dear that are all because of these fantastic women. So we've covered these directors, and there's a couple of shout-outs that we didn't really get through all the way, um, which will, you know, absolutely sound off towards the end, but just, no. This was a sampling of them, but th- this also... Sampling, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I have a lot of notes written down. <laughs> she takes a lot of notes. I drink a lot of wine. <laughs> That's fine. But yes, uh, if there are any um, amazing directors who we've uh, egregiously missed, feel free to slam us on Twitter. Uh, we uh, welcome all your feedback, hate mail, whatever it may be. Emphasis on slamming. <laughs> Emphasis on slamming. Anyway, so this is going to segue into, we're going to go through our favorite heroines slash final gals. Yes, because... Um, uh, women characters and actors in film um, aren't just always the victims, but sometimes they're uh, proactive heroes too um, and save other people's asses. Um, I actually really love horror films uh, where a woman is saving the guy <laughs> from certain death from from the villain. Fair. That could be like a whole little um, almost subgenre. That could be a whole separate episode. But I, I, we literally have um, dozens of our favorite. Um, characters read almost who, 30 who are who are their um heroes or final girls on their own i didn't necessarily put them in in an exact order Mm-mm. um but yeah we just wanted to give some love and some honor to some some names um i don't know should we uh, uh go a little bit into some some of the classics and, yeah and I, then rattle off the rest i think we should <laughs> i think we should dig into like original inspos and then just kind of bring up towards more or just rattle off independent i still number 11 on there makes me laugh looking at the official list but um yeah that was a screw up you know going old i don't i don't you know going going old i hate saying going old going retro slash classic and i should also say that um we haven't really looked at uh much that's beyond the past like 20 years or so um obviously there there are a lot of um really cool you know 50s and 60s uh characters from hitchcock films we we didn't really get into all that so this is more modern horror david did leave off his favorite character linda blair but like that's fine um just saying it was your favorite movie your grandma took you to see it you did leave off linda blair how dare i i know i'm sorry linda blair um i i'm gonna start looking at this list not to hijack, but we all know this podcast Go is about it. me. Um, just kidding. It's really not. It's about my drinking habit. <laughs> I, I'm i going to start with my favorite, I guess, horror queen that I was introduced to. Um, so who started my love of investigating everything? And it was, it was Sigourney Weaver and Alien, which I know mm-hmm. is extremely stereotypical. And I feel like a lot of, like stereotypical yeah i I, not necessarily for like queers but i feel like for for horror enthusiasts or sci-fi enthusiasts like sigourney weaver was like a very big awakening for people yeah well for Um, good reason (laughs) but god from the first alien movie at least through three i mean four happened it was fine um but she was those were those movies were terrifying but she was such this like butch energy intensity realness that was just so do not fuck with me 
um, mm-hmm. that I just, I loved it as a kid. And then, you know, that grew, at least for me, um, going going in next order, and, and feel free to jump in and add, but my next love was Laurie Strode, so I discovered Halloween after Alien, which is a travesty for me. That's mine too, so. Yeah, I, so. If you don't love Laurie Strode or Jamie Lee Curtis, then <sighs> just del- delete our podcast off your all your playlists because you're canceled. If you can't love yourself, <laughs> how the hell can you love a good horror vixen? Can I get a hallelujah up in here? That way it's different enough so we don't get sued by that RuPaul guy. <laughs> and anyways, uh, Laurie Strode as, as a character is super cool because of um, her almost immediate evolution of um, a helpless uh, babysitter who's kind of stalked um, to someone who's really being proactive and um, uh, saving herself but also fighting back a bit. And then obviously when you get into the new movies, much, much more so that. Um, well, she's not in the new movies. Well, I, just kidding. She's in the newest movie. I was going to say. Well, but you get into the. We're no. not talking about the same new movies. Well, <laughs> yes. There are three different timelines. There are, there are more than three different timelines if you watch the director's or but producer's cut. we couldn't possibly cut. get into all that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> or that would no. be another two hours. But. And again, mentioning the Halloween franchise, there's another shout out for Judy Greer. Who plays Laurie Strode's daughter in the movies? Uh, and uh, Danielle Harris. And Danielle Harris, way, way back in four, five, and six, slash Rob Zombie's Halloween movies because she did come back. Well, she was in four and five. She wasn't in six. Her character, Jamie Lloyd, was in six. Wasn't yes. Danielle Harris. But Danielle Harris came back in Rob Zombie's Halloween Imagining, which I'm a just go out on a limb. And say that I enjoyed more than other people. And I really want to give props to probably somebody's least favorite. I love Sherry Moon Zombie. I'm just gonna, I just, I love Sherry Moon. I love Sherry Moon Zombie. Not to hijack Segwaying from Halloween no. and Jamie Lee Curtis, but I fucking love Sherry Moon I think Zombie. That, uh, Rob should give her more to do than just playing the exact same character over and over, but. Yes, I mean, <laughs> Sherry Moon in Witches of Salem. Lords of Salem? That one. Yes, again, lots yeah, she, of wine. That was, that was um, a little different for her. Actually, was yeah. was a pleasure to watch. Sherry Moon and Halloween One was a pleasure to watch. Watching this mother figure cope with like the degradation of Michael Myers as a child, which that whole debate of spoiling the mystery of Michael Myers—that's one thing. But God, give me like pale white on a white horse, Sherry Moon, Halloween Two. <laughs> Any day. Gotta love it. Yes, but... Just shouting out to her there. But yeah, your yeah. pick next. And and also, she, I just thought she was fantastic in Double Tree Jacks, but... Oh, uh, of course. This baby. <laughs> yes. Is that a villain? Is that a villain or a hero? Because that's a hard one for me. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're mostly talking about a, a heroes and final girls here. But, um, you know, I... I a character slash actor who I think is uh, a major love of pretty much uh, every queer boy who loves horror is Sydney Prescott, the uh, the legendary uh, Nev Campbell, who um, still we can count as cranking out these screen movies um, because we're we're on our way to our our next and yeah number final one number five. <laughs> Which has the duo who are behind Ready or Not, which has Samara Weaving, who is another force to be reckoned with in the, in the horror world and just the general acting world. But yes, Nev Campbell. Yeah. Uh, really, just, really an example of um, a, a great female actor who um, really nails the idea of um, kind of consolidating those disparate parts of victim slash badass. Says the like, one who has a picture with her. Oh yes, I have met now. She's oh. she's darling. Oh, so great. <laughs> we we're just texting. No, just kidding. <laughs> but yes, David S- wishes. Sydney S- Prescott. You, you you can't can't do much better than than Sydney Prescott as a final girl um, and a big survivor. 
And, you know, we have several um, characters and actors from Scream on here because the the women of the Scream franchise really just fucking nail it. Courtney Cox, <laughs> Marley Shelton in Scream 4 in the upcoming Scream 5. Uh, oh, God, I want to say... Um, Laurie Metcalf. Well, yes, well, she's she's in our villain section, obviously. Well, yeah, uh, as uh, Billy Loomis's uh, a little more than slightly deranged mother. Uh, but yeah, uh, Scream really really nails it with show, showcasing the the amazingness of uh, women actors, and uh, yeah, you really really can't ask, ask for more than Scream. Parker so, Posey, yes, Scream Three, the uh, Carrie Fisher cameo. <laughs> In Scream 3, where she plays the... Oh, you don't remember this? Yeah, I, it left my... Left when my Gail favorite. and Parker Posey break into the Hollywood lot and they go through all the back files to try to find Sydney's mom's acting file. Yeah, her history. Carrie Fisher plays a, like, employee that works there. And there's the whole gag of that she looks like Carrie Fisher. Um, <laughs> I love it. One of the greats. I mean, for me, yeah, running through, just to name off a couple as well, I mean, growing up, um, I guess as the kid that I did, aside from Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis, there was Nev Campbell, um, Courtney Cox, mostly Courtney Cox because I watched Friends and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> um, sure. But then also in addition, there was, you know, Allie Larder in the Final Destination franchise who... Then, you know, if you listen to season one, you know my love of Resident Evil, who went on to become Claire Redfield. She also had a stint on Heroes, was in a really trashy Beyonce movie, Obsessed. But still, you know... I loved Obsessed. Oh, God, that's a great cat fight with Beyonce. <laughs> Gotta say, it's a great movie. Um, but, I mean, again, such a great character. At least Final Destination is, is you know, Claire Rivers. Um really just this fun spunky's 90s like chick that i had a lot of friends in elementary and middle school that watched these and identified with at the time well more middle than elementary but i mean especially like transitioning over into resident evil and taking over the embodiment of claire this is gonna get a lot of shit i already know it but i mean like <laughs> you know in three four and six sure take it as you will but i i really was enthused and happy and supported by it so i approved but i mean in between all of that there was also you know oh we're getting a massive windstorm we're about to get wind sound effects sucked away into a hurricane i wouldn't even have to add them into the um i mean virginia madsen for me from Candyman is helen well i mean uh women in horror in the 80s um and early 90s in particular i think is it's its own really cool little little mini list so the the character of nancy thompson in nightmare on elm street um is one of my all-time favorites um especially because the actor plays herself <laughs> at at one point yes and at, at one point <laughs> probably one of at least what i would consider west craven's greatest cinematic achievements besides the original nightmare on elm street yes yeah um, so, so she, she was huge for me gr- growing up seeing that and, well you are older um, than me oh yeah bitch keep it going <laughs> and and you already talked about uh, virginia marston as as helen in, in candy man yeah great um, great performance there um yeah. and and the character of helen i think is yeah. coming back in the new one right? maybe we Possibly. will it's a rumor <laughs> <laughs> we will see yet to be confirmed because you know covid has prevented us from seeing this movie we'll see um two characters um in hellraiser that i really love um the character of kirsty played by ashley lawrence um and first and also second yeah second uh, hellraiser as well um in addition to the character's mother who's in one of our favorite villains list um which we are slowly working our way to Yes. Which actually is a great segue. So yeah, I think that 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 is a good segue. We have, we have like twenty five characters and actors in, in in our hero heroes and final girls list. Literally, but let's go to the bad girls because that's my favorite part. I mean, we love a good bad girl because you know we make those good girls go bad. Yeah. For some reason, I randomly put Sue Ann from Ma as number one. I think it was because like 
like I was looking at the DVD case when I started the list, so I just immediately was like, "Oh, Octavia Spencer." Can we can we just back up to the <laughs> fact that you said DVD? Yes. Yeah, I don't even have it on Blu-ray. I did. I really need it on Blu-ray. <laughs> you buy standard definition. Okay, that's a whole separate conversation. Anyway, it was on clearance from the box. Okay. Yeah. So our our favorite bad girls. Favorite, so our, our favorite, favorite bad bands. girls, and I mean, I oh. I don't even know where to fully start. It's hard to know where to begin. God, I just love, I mean, nothing to me, especially me, I think this is the difference between you and I, is that I just love a villain. Yes. I just love the evil and, like, the sex appeal and, like, the just, like, pure, like, I don't give a fuck of all of these oh, women that are on like, this list. All gay boy horror fans. Uh, yeah, love, all, all love gay boys villains. love that. But, like, me in particular, I'm going to take one that's not on this list to have the 26 because I saw it somewhere else and I disagreed. But I'm going to go with Jennifer Chuck, um, a.k.a. Jennifer from Jennifer's Body, who... She's on the list. She is on the heroes list, and I heavily disagree. Because even before she gets, you know, brutally stabbed by Adam Brody from the OC and gets returned possessed by a demon, she's still not great as a person. Oh. Well, well, well so, that was an accidental list, list placement. Full, I'm just, I'm acknowledging I'm going to go back to my favorite 2009 <laughs> horror film and just say that Jennifer Chuck was literally my everything. I walked around quoting this Diablo Cody dialogue that she wrote for this character, like, my life depended on it. Like, I would tell all of my friends, you were such lime green jello and you didn't even know it. Like, it was everything to me. Like, I would show up to my friends' dorm rooms and be like, it smells like Thai food in here. Have you guys been fucking? Like, it was... She was just this monumental, like, eat all of these boys. Like, fuck this toxic masculinity. Just bitch. And I loved it at this, like, critical moment of, like, me figuring out my queerness. But then I realized that I had a lot to owe with that also to, you know, um, Claire Higgins playing Julia Cotton in Hellraiser, who was the first um, really just vile and out for herself and just great. She, she had some great one-liners in that movie, huh? She did. I have did. a lot of uh, gifts of her just like saying really like awful shit yeah. that I use as meme reacts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was beautiful. Um, I mean, Octavia Spencer and Ma was was great. Um, yeah, in a fun creepy way. In a but... very, like, yes. Also, I didn't realize the mom in that wasn't Catherine Hahn. And uh, what? Ma, it wasn't Catherine Hahn, so, like, don't get oh. excited. It yeah. was somebody else. But I'm just saying, no, I feel I, like I Catherine Hahn is, Catherine like, Han. three people. She's had um, a moment, so it's okay. She was on your mind. No, and I mean, I, yeah, she is, she's, if we're talking about villains, I am going to plug Agatha Harkness in, in WandaVision. Sorry. Anyway, plug over. But I'm just going to say, I was like, you know, it's, that was a great one. Um, You've got, you know. Let's talk about the classics. Oh, like like okay. the old school, and then we'll get more into Glenn more into Close. Again. If we're gonna go Glenn Close, Fatal Attraction, popping out of the bathtub at the end, like she just got some really good dick, and she just really wanted it, and she wasn't gonna let anybody stand in her way. And honestly, I can relate to that. Yeah. So is she a villain? We don't know. Like Pamela Voorhees. All she wanted was her son to have a good babysitter, and they and were too busy getting sweater. good dick, and like she had a really great sweater. That was how I knew I was gay when I watched that for the first time. So did Annie Wilkes from Misery also had a few good sweaters in that uh, film as She well. had a few good swings in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of swinging. Yeah. They, yeah, they really must have had her work in her biceps. I honestly them. can't watch that movie without flinching. Or just seeing Kathy Bates in anything without flinching. But I can't tell if it's, it's because of that or The Office. Talk about an actor who still holds up well within the horror genre. I mean, more so with TV now, but... Yeah, we love to yeah, see her. Yeah, thank Hannah. Ryan Murphy for that. Yeah, um, <sighs> uh, yeah. I have some accidental additions in here with, with the classics, but um, you, you actually see as I was putting this list together, um, more uh, women villains in horror later on. Yeah, emerging. Like, like, 
Yeah, it, in modern because am, of that these has great... to have a correlation. To... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I truly like from the director's list to the heroine's list to looking at the villain's list. Like, I, I think a you know women were never going to be out of style because there was this very stereotypical we need a final girl for stuff. Like, very often horror movies don't have this, like, masculine male fully just leading on their own. They do, but it's never just solely them. Yeah, they don't Um, deviate from the formula too often. No, and I think I I just... I think as... Especially as the, you know, the Me Too movement and all of the, you know, taking down the Weinsteins and exposing all of this has come to light. Like, we've also gotten much better female representation even written... You know, even coming from male, like, screenwriters or directors. Um, if we're going to talk about villains, and if we're talking about modern ones, I'm going to jump a little bit. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring up Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat and Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep, who I think is the pinnacle definition of a female villain to me in this current modern age Mm -hmm. um i honestly might be slightly biased uh because rebecca ferguson is just magnanimous and beautiful but also just the way that the character is written especially considering i did read the book so if anybody's gonna come at me i did read the book and i have watched the movie and i've watched the director's cut of the movie so i've seen all three possible things of this but i will say like honestly it was just so well written from you have this male coming at this female perspective, but you also get this female artist coming in and blending the two where she wasn't just some tool. And like this was this fully realized, viciously powerful feminine figure who has spent years claiming her spot as a force to be reckoned with easily, you know, and righteously so. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm fully in agreement that she deserved everything that she had, like all of her powers and everything. Yeah, she was terrifying. God, I just, I loved her so much. I mean, terrifying I... Terrifying and such an alluring David way. and I saw that movie together in person, and I'm pretty sure I was just salivating in the movie theater when she showed up for the first time, I which is in it. the opening minutes. I watched it at the Overlook Hotel, so... <laughs> I just had to throw that out there for our, our audience. I, 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 I sat at the at the Stanley Hotel in Colorado a few weeks ago and watched The Shining and Dr. Sleep. It was really cute. I, I called him, though. I was in From Maryland, our haunted bedroom. So I, I stayed in one of, of the most haunted rooms. Anyways. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was my love of Dr. Sleep. And now that that's getting rubbed in, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, okay. So then other top ones... Um, Current, uh, you know, there's Anya Taylor-Joy, who just won the Golden Globe for Queen's Gambit, but brought much love to the witch, or the vich, depending. Do we, do we ever settle this? Is it the witch or the vich? Which, what, what are we talking here? We spell it the vich, but we say it the witch. <laughs> that rhymes. Okay, well, I just hate all of that. Anyway, <laughs> love that. Well, um, should, I mean. Should have won awards for, for that too, but you know, horror movies don't win awards. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Um, then there was our favorite white person to hate, Rose from Get Out, aka Allison Williams from Girls. Awful. Just loved Awful to character. turn against her, and God, you know, she really just needs to eat those Fruit Loops with the milk in it instead of separately. It's just really bugging to me. Um, it just it really did bother me. Yeah. And well, then, and the, um, uh, I, I, I forget her mother's name in it but um. uh, well Catherine Keener I mean is the actress that played her mother so she also yeah problematic mildly terrifying in the, in that film <laughs> it really made me glad that I'm a coffee person and not a tea person I will tell you that super grateful cling cling <laughs> um I mean and then like cutting further to like even more current ish um you had Alice Krieg in uh, you know, Gretel and Hansel, who played the witch, which wasn't the first time that she's played a villainous role. Um, you had her as the lead villain in the Silent Hill video game film adaptation way back in 2006. Which I didn't know six. until you told me today. That yeah, like, oh, I well, I was, I'm obsessed with that movie. So, Which is ironic, because she was persecuting witches. 
She was, and yeah. Um, what happened? And then, you know, you get your classics. Uh, you get your, your, you know, super easy to read villains, you know, Catherine Isabel and Ginger Snaps. Although Catherine Isabel in anything is just a goddess. So, yeah. sorry, her role in Hannibal, the TV show, was phenomenal. Um, but then you also get to kind of segue this list. And, and you can, you know, we could definitely list off more, but then you can get into more of some of the ones that blur the lines. So, you know, looking at some that are controversial, let's talk about Lupita Nyong'o and us. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that character of Adelaide and her tethered. Or like, tether. spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen us by now, <laughs> spoiler um, alert, I am Elizabeth Moss <laughs> in that movie. She is me, I is her. We all just wear pink, drink rosé, and have vodka o'clock. So, just want to clarify, thank you, Jordan Peele. For um, crediting a character based off of me. Super appreciative of it. But Very I would nice. really love a rich husband in real life. So like, if we could get on that, I'll be super grateful. Um, uh, amazing. I well, you could say characters because it's uh, two of them from, from the same actor. But uh, yeah. um, yes, I, iconic to acting in that. And that that's a, a really cool example of like, uh, wow, the, the woman really carries that film because uh, she played the... The hero and the villain and the anti-villain and whatever the heck all rolled into one. <laughs> Who knows who's the hero or the villain in that? But uh, yeah, we, we love it. We love we love us. Um, yeah, so we're we're really uh, giving a lot of a uh, Jordan Peele love here <laughs> for for Women in Horror special. But yeah, um, gosh, and. Uh, or around the same time, um, another one that I, p- people like to debate about is uh, uh, what role Charlie plays in Hereditary. Oh. <laughs> was she a, a victim who was kind of used by the culture of the coven, or was she an evil spirit who uh, assisted in attacking the family? I, I'm kind of the latter opinion because I think it makes the film more fun. Um, but that's that's really yeah, cool. But what's yeah, your I evidence think. to support that argument? Uh, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> We're not getting Which into it. Which means there isn't any. We're we'll just get doing it. this to we'll support. We'll get into it later over further drinks. We're just going to do this claim. <laughs> it's fine. So then my thing is, all right, and all of these things, and I let David speak his piece sometimes. sometimes. We all know I interrupt a lot, <laughs> which is my thing. But the one thing I have to argue is that he has under this category, and he knows where this is going. <laughs> he's he's ready for this. Is Danny... Played by Florence Pugh from the glorious film that I am obsessed with and I literally love. Um, yes, I am love. aware that there's controversy and, and like a lot of problems with it, but Midsommar. It is a romantic comedy version of The Wicker Man. Fight me on it. <laughs> I will stand on that ground until I die. But... You have her labeled as a problematic hero slash villain, and I disagree with you. Well, specifically because it's it's a debate that I see a lot of people run through. You know, is she an accessory to murder? Is she uh, finally rediscovering herself and doing what she needs to do to survive? You know, ultimately, I think it's a little of all of that. You know, we don't have to necessarily put these characters in neat little boxes. Well, I disagree. Um, and I'm just ready to just argue this character because watching it, you know, having seen the theatrical, having seen the director's cut multiple times, uh, I just, I really, y'all need to understand I love this movie. Um, she's definitely not a villain in this. Like, it is all of just... So much trauma, so much grief, so much pain, and then just having such a fucking trash hole of a boyfriend. Like, at least if it was me, oh my god, I would be throwing the torch on that bear myself, spoiler alert. But like, god, I would let that fry so fast. Like, I just... The film stars a hot bear, so at least there's that. It in multiple ways, y'all. Um... I just, I've never uh, read her as a villain. And, and you know, I, I don't disagree with you. I just, uh, 
for, for, for the sake of um, the discussion, I put it out there because it is a topic that I, people like to discuss. I just don't, I don't see it. But, but I appreciate the idea. But yeah, and I, I actually think that in either case, it's appropriate that um, we put uh, Florence Pugh's character in Midsommar towards the end because um, that that's a character that really kind of um, exemplifies the experience of um, what what happens when uh, you are, um, you know, put in a position where you're extremely vulnerable and you're kind of having to rely on uh, another male figure who's kind of imposing how he thinks you should deal with your grief and your pain and trauma throughout the whole thing, um, rather than pushing for you to kind of reclaim and discover yourself um she figures it out eventually <laughs> no no thanks to him yeah um but a lot of rock smashing yeah. a lot of rock skull smashing and i i honestly think that you can see those um themes in so many other horror films um with strongly women characters in a little less on the nose ways you know but you always see these themes of someone coming into the film being very vulnerable and going through a traumatic experience and then they realize like oh okay i survived this thing i'm actually kind of a badass <laughs> you know yes um i mean not 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 all of them uh and and that way you know sally at the end of texas chainsaw massacre she's pretty much just screaming in the back of the truck and then the movie ends <laughs> well, but you know i would be too she and jessica beale made out okay in both the remake and the original so i mean like it's not too too bad yes but yeah uh, so uh, anyways we're coming up on an hour and we have so many characters on the side of good and evil that we did not talk about um but yeah, those are just uh, some of our most favorites. In celebration of this important month, which shouldn't just be a month, but again, the same argument is made every February and every month with Black History Month and with Women's History Month. Apparently, we have to put a name on it, which is upsetting. But here we are launching back season two, starting with celebrating our favorites of the world, the females of horror, the women of horror, we're excited. We can't wait to see what's going to bring, especially Nyla Costa's Candyman. Yes. Please release There the is film. a huge one coming up. <laughs> and of course, the glorious return of Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Halloween Kills. But this is just the beginning. Again, we can't wait. And now, unfortunately, this brings us at the end of our hour and the because end of my... The end of my bottle of wine. So clearly, I'm going to go get more. I'm going to queue up my favorite, favorite horror film right now. Well, I'm just going to be honest. I'm probably just going to go put Jennifer's Body on, which is my favorite. Giving my love girls? back. That horror. But going to give that love to Megan Fox, Karen Kusama, and of course, Amanda Seyfried and Diablo Cody. And we hope to see you soon. Welcome back to season two. Get ready. Because it's going to get gay as fuck. And it's going to get scary as fuck. So brace yourselves. Stay spooky. Bye. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? 